0: We're going to go to Mark chapter 2 tonight. Mark chapter 2. And on our series and service, I believe this this is week 5. And can everybody remember what we've talked about in the previous weeks? What was it the first week? Anybody remember? I'm trying to remind myself right now. Um, Jesus, I believe it was Jesus' example. We talked about being an example. And... Uh, that it's so important that uh, somebody's got to show the world how to do things right. Somebody's got to show the world how to raise a family, how to have a good marriage, how to how to live according to the scripture. Somebody's got to do that, and it's not going to be the lost people. It's got to be God's people, His servants. We've got to be the example, but also uh, in being you know especially in the example of being a servant. That is what Jesus came to do. He wanted to spread that. And uh, we don't need, you know, everybody wants to be the king. We need servants. And then the next week we talked about Jesus' leadership. And if we're going to be a good example, ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to lead people into doing the same thing. So there are more servants. And then the next one was Jesus's, was it miracles? Or was that last week? Forgot. I think it was one of them was miracles. Talking about, hey, we need to do some extraordinary things for the cause of Christ if we're going to get the world's attention. I mean, we need the power of God on us, and Jesus did amazing things. We know, hey, this is an ordinary man doing this. Jesus' disciples did some amazing things, and I'm not saying that we have to go around healing people and raising people from the dead, but we ought to do things that normal people just wouldn't do, and. Being a good servant, loving people who are unloving to us, that's something that's going to uh, have an effect. And I only named three. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting one because I'm pretty sure this is the fifth week. But this week, so, we're going to talk about Jesus' mission. Jesus' mission. As a servant, if you work anywhere, okay, like, So we, I know we don't like that word servant, but the truth is, it's not really a bad word. And if you are, you know, we use words like employees or uh, associates. Uh, I know Walmart, that's a big one that they use there. Uh, they, you don't say employee at Walmart because that just, I don't know if that sounds demeaning, that sounds like their blow. No, it's an associate. You know, We are co-workers together. And and if, can you imagine if a company said we call these people our servants? Well, that's just not really going to be good for morale when it comes to our way of thinking. However, being a servant, uh, said, depending, on, it's not really a bad thing. And especially a servant of God is clearly not a bad thing. And a servant can be... If you are an employee somewhere, you are, in a sense, a servant to them. Thankfully, if you want, you can escape. And you don't have to stay at that job. We are uh, in service, but we're voluntarily in service. And thank the Lord for that. But uh, at your job, how would you like it if you went to get a job somewhere... And they're like, listen, we expect you to work. We expect you to work hard. And you better do your job right. But then they don't give you any instructions on what you're supposed to do. What am I supposed to do at this job? How am I supposed to do it? It would get pretty frustrating, wouldn't it? And you know, it's nice when you have a clear objective. When you know exactly what it is that is expected and what you're supposed to do, it really helps for you to, I guess, feel fulfilled so you know that you're doing a good job. When I do a job, I like to know that I'm doing it right. that I'm doing it the way I'm supposed to. Uh, I've, I've had jobs where they don't give real clear instructions on what's to be accomplished. And the whole time I have to worry, am I doing a good enough job? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Am I going to be pleasing the boss with this? And it's frustrating when you don't know. And Jesus, when He came to this earth, As a servant, he took on himself the form of a servant. Jesus came to this earth with a clear mission, and um, one of the things that we need to do as Christians is we need to understand that we are on a mission, and it's very clear in the Bible what that mission is. And then there are several things involved, but you know, just real quickly, just some general things that we need to hit. But one of the things that we have to do personally for ourselves to. uh, to help us to fulfill what we need to fulfill as a servant is we've got to make sure that we establish a clear goal, that we understand what it is that we're supposed to do. I tell you, it's there's nothing more exciting and no, more fulfilling than knowing that you're in the center of God's will. It makes things a lot easier, just to know, hey. I'm where God wants me to be. I'm doing what God wants me to be doing. It, it's it's fulfilling. I mean, it gets rid of a lot of the confusion because you know, no, no matter what you do, uh, what what kind of job you do, no matter what area in the ministry you serve, there's a lot of work that's involved in it. And if you're th- if you're doing all that work, and you have to wonder, am I even really doing what God wants me to do? Am I really even doing? what I'm supposed to do, or is this all for nothing, that would be really tough. And you, So you want to establish that clear goal. And just generally, as servants, one of the things that we're trying to do, we're, now, the way we serve God is by serving others. Okay, that's, that's how we do it. If we give a cold cup of water to somebody who's in prison in the name of Jesus Christ, it's the same as giving it to Jesus Christ. And He said that in His Word. But one of the things that we need to do is we need to strive to love people. I mean, we've got, we've got to work on it. That We've got to determine our heart. Hey, I have a responsibility to love this person. How many have ever come across that verse in the Bible where it says, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated? Have you ever looked at that verse? And that's God talking. And the Calvinists, they like to use that verse and say, God chose Jacob, chose to love Jacob, and God chose to hate Esau. And that is proof that God chooses to save some and chooses to send others to hell. I don't know if you ever heard that one before. If you haven't, thank the Lord because you haven't been around any Calvinists, but they like to use that verse. But that term, Jacob, have I loved, basically what that's saying is love uh, is it not just a feeling. I, I can say that I love somebody. I can say that I love my neighbor. And you know what? I can even feel like I love my neighbor. I might look at them and think, I really care about that person. But if I don't ever do anything to show them that love, then what have I really accomplished? Have I really loved them? What if I love my neighbor? I have good feelings when I look at my neighbor. I mean, I really do. But then what those good feelings in my heart, and I, I take a rock, and I throw it through his window. Okay? And that would be pretty cruel, wouldn't it? But I do it, I did it with a heart of love. But no, that act was an act of hatred, wasn't it? That's what you do to neighbors that you hate. And when God says, Jacob have I love, God was good to Jacob. God blessed Jacob. Jacob had a close relationship with God. Esau, on the other hand, did not. Esau, God, in other words, God wasn't good to him. Esau and God did not have a close relationship. Esau was not blessed in the same way Jacob was. In fact, bad things happened to Esau. And whenever said, you know, God loves all of us. However, if we start disobeying God, and if we start, uh, or you know, we reject God's path, there's going to be bad things happen to us. God. In a sense, God still feels love towards us and cares about us, but the actions are going to seem like actions of hatred. And just saying that we love, it requires action. We've got to strive to do that for people. We've got to strive to uh, do good to them, to try to meet their needs, to try to be there for them. Uh, Ultimately, too, when it comes to loving somebody, we're trying to gain them as a friend. That's what, that's what we want to do. If you want to have an impact on somebody, it's a lot easier when they're your friend. And as Christians, following the example of Christ who initiated our friendship that we have with Him. Remember, he, we love Him because He first loved us. We also ought to initiate friendships with other people. Sometimes as Christians, we get real comfortable with our little circle of friends and with the people in our church and we're just fine with it being just like it is. But we, as Christians, we ought to understand that, hey, I need to be going out and trying to make more friends. Not necessarily for myself. Not so I can feel popular. Not so they can do something for me so I can get more birthday presents or whatever. But it's so I can have an impact on more people because part of our goal is we're trying to make a difference. We want to see somebody go from wicked and lost and on their way to hell to saved and living for God and bringing other people to Christ. And we do that by showing love to them, by being friendly to them, by trying to make a difference. That, that is a part of our mission. And we got to establish that. And but we want to look at the life of Jesus Christ, though. Remember, we're following his example. And I'm just going to be honest with you, some of these things that I'm going to get here, I might be assuming a little bit. But this is what this is what I believe from what I've read in the scriptures. And I don't know, I think it's interesting. I was really enjoying studying for this. But if you ever wondered, I like to think about this sometime, just kind of when you're meditating on the things of God, you know, how much did Jesus know? while He was on this earth. If Jesus, He was a man just like you and I, but He was a man that was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, He didn't have a sin nature like you and I do. But I don't believe and I don't even see anywhere in the Bible where it says that Jesus Christ from birth to His death was all-knowing. I don't see that anywhere in the Scriptures. I believe that Jesus had to learn how to talk when He was a baby. He had to learn how to do all the things just like you and I have to learn them. Yet He did it without a sin nature. Have you ever wondered, what, when did He realize that He was going to have to die? When did He figure that out? And I think when we read the Bible, we can find out where that is. But notice with Jesus' mission, even from the time we see when He was 12 years old, Jesus understood that He was on a mission. And how did He know this? How did he understand this well, first of all, one of the ways that jesus i mean we see Jesus was constantly searching for god's direction that's where we need to be we need to be searching throughout our life okay this is a one time thing. The Lord called me to be a preacher when I was nineteen years old, but that was when once I surrendered to that, that wasn't the end of God's direction for my life i mean god's direction is kind of a day to day thing, and it's something that uh you know he's Sent me in different areas, and he's had me do different things, and it's something that I'm constantly looking for God's direction as a pastor. I mean, this is where I'm supposed to be now. But now, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to preach about? What subjects do I need to deal with? Uh, you know, what what am I supposed to do on a day to day, week to week situation? How did Jesus know what to do? Because we know that Jesus completely did everything that he was supposed to do. Jesus fulfilled the will of his father. Jesus fulfilled the word of God, but if he was not all-knowing as as a human, as a child, how did he figure it out? Well, first of all, I believe that Jesus Christ, he was directed by his mother. Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. You remember this story. Every year they went to Jerusalem, and Jesus he got left behind one time, and they were worried about him and came looking for him, and they found him, and they uh, they kind of rebuked Jesus in verse forty-eight and in verse forty-nine, and he said unto them, "How was it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my Father's business?" Now Jesus wasn't being a smart aleck here, but how did first of all. How did Jesus know that God was his father? How did he know that? So we don't read, all we read about is his birth. We read about him going to Egypt. And then it goes to this story when he's 12. How did Jesus know that God was his father? Well, obviously, he was told by his mother and his stepfather. I believe they told him. I believe they said, Jesus, there's something special about you. You are different. I think he probably figured it out real quick that he was different. He saw his younger brothers and sisters acting up and misbehaving. Things that he never did. He saw his neighbors and other people, the things that they would do. He probably even saw his own mother and stepfather sin. But yet, he never did. He knew something was different. I believe his mother told him, your father is God. You've been sent to this earth for a special purpose. But he didn't really know what that was. And we see that because in verse 46, it says, "...and it came to pass that after three days they found Him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions." Now, if Jesus was all-knowing at 12, why was He asking these questions? For three days, He's been talking to these people and they're all amazed. I mean, all the wise men are coming together like, whoa, what is with this 12-year-old boy? What kind of 12-year-old has this kind of wisdom? What kind of 12-year-old asks questions like this? There was something clearly different. And that's because Jesus didn't have His sin nature. He obviously would have progressed in wisdom far beyond what you or I would. He would have been a lot smarter than you or I, uh, uh, than we are. Jesus Christ, He's asking these questions. I believe that He was directed by His mother. He knew who his father was, it's a good lesson for young folks to follow the directions of their parents. You know, teenagers, they they and young people sometimes we they get so frustrated trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with my life. And they get frustrated, and one of the things that they'll do is start rebelling against their parents. And it's like, listen, you have no idea how clear God's will is for your life right now. It's children obey your parents and the Lord. For this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother. Hey, if you're not doing those two things, I can tell you right now, you're not in the will of God. And good luck finding it. If you got to do the things you know you're supposed to do, and then God will direct you and help you make the next step in His life. But another area where we see Jesus' direction. So then, we go from Jesus at 12 that the next story that we read about with Jesus Christ is in Mark chapter 1. Chronologically in his life, we don't know anything else that happened in Jesus' life from the age of 12 until he's about the age of 30. And in Mark 1, verse 12, it says, uh, or Mark chapter 1, it tells the story of when Jesus was baptized. Now, how did Jesus know to get baptized? Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. So remember, I don't believe that Jesus was just automatically downloaded with all the information of the universe, like God has. He was a man like you, like you and I. He got hungry. He had to sleep. He had he had to learn. He had to do all that stuff. But we see him getting baptized, and we're going to get to how he knew to do that. But after he gets, Jesus did never did any miracles that we know about. He did not start his ministry. He did not start. Preaching, he didn't do any of that until he got baptized. But it says in verse 12, and immediately the Spirit drive him into the wilderness. This is right after he gets baptized. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. This is kind of the short version of that story. But you know what happened? Satan tempted Jesus three times. Jesus Christ, he passed every one of those tests. Satan could not get him to sin. And the Bible says that after that angels came and ministered unto him. I personally believe that Jesus also received direction from angels. The angels came and they said, All right, Jesus, you just passed the test, you got baptized, you've gone forty days without eating. You you just totally I mean conquered the temptation. Satan who's been 100% with everybody now has just knocked down his percentage to 99.999999, however many nines. You're the first one. It's time for you to start your ministry. You've been given the power of God in your life. It's time for you to go out now and start preaching the kingdom of heaven. You are the Son of God. You know that. Your mother told you that. She was told by the angels. And you are now... Uh, You need to go start doing miracles. You need to get the people's attention. You need to start preaching the Gospel to them. The Gospel that John the Baptist has been preaching. You are the Messiah. I believe He was told by the angels. And immediately, He goes and He begins His ministry. So Jesus, He received direction from His mother. He received direction from the angels. Now, we don't get direction from angels anymore. We see that in Paul's writings that now we have the completed Scriptures. If an angel comes and gives us another Gospel, we do not follow it. If you decide to come and you're going to do something that's contrary to the Word of God and you say an angel told me to do it, sorry, the Word of God trumps... The word of angels, because Satan himself can be transformed into an angel of light. But Jesus got some direction from angels. They were often used in the Old Testament times. But then the third area where Jesus received instruction, how he figured out his mission, was through the scriptures. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. We read this passage of scripture this morning. I just want to point out a couple things to you. I'm not going to read the whole thing again. But in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, it says. And He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. When I was in Israel, I had the privilege of going to this place where they believed this actually happened. But Jesus, one of the things that He did while He was growing up is every Sabbath day He went and one of the things that they would do, it was common, is they would just get up and somebody would read the Scripture. Well, you know what? Jesus, I guess that was one of His things that He did while He was a young man. He would go to the synagogue and He would stand up and He would read the Scripture to everybody. Can you imagine if you could go back in time and see Jesus as a teenager or as a young man just every week reading Old Testament Scripture? But I believe one of the reasons that Jesus did that was to find out what God's mission was for Him. Because you know what? Jesus couldn't go to the bookstore, go to Walmart and buy a Bible like you and I could back then. Back then, the Word of God just wasn't everywhere. The scribes, they had it. They had some there at the temple. But you would have pretty much had to go to the synagogue to read the Scriptures. And Jesus, I don't know, I imagine He probably read those Scriptures like nobody else did. And He understood those Scriptures. And He was directed by the Word of God. And go to Matthew chapter 11. Verse 13, Matthew chapter 11, verse 13, it says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. You know what Jesus was saying? Is that John the Baptist, he was the fulfillment of the prophecy of the return of Elijah. We read about that in Malachi. How did Jesus know that that was Him? Jesus knew the Old Testament Scriptures. Jesus had read the book of Malachi. Jesus understood that that had been fulfilled. He makes that statement, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Whenever He makes that statement in the Bible, He's basically saying, remember a Scripture. Remember what was said in the Old Testament. He's reminding them of that. And Jesus Christ, every week, while he was a young man, I don't know for how long, he would go to the synagogue and he would read those Scriptures. He would read the Old Testament and I believe that's why there was so much that Jesus did that that He did right was because He knew the Old Testament. I don't believe from the time He was a baby, He had the whole thing memorized. He had to go and He had to read it. But yet, when He was in the wilderness, He quoted Scripture to the devil. He knew it. He had it in his head. And that's also how he knew to be baptized. Because he knew the Old Testament that says nothing about baptism. Baptism cannot be found in the Old Testament. Jesus knew to be baptized because he knew about the prophecies of Elias. And he knew that John the Baptist was the fulfillment of that. And so when John the Baptist is preaching on baptism, Jesus came to him and he said, I need to be baptized. Of you to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus knew that he needed that the preaching of John was truth. Jesus knew that he needed to set the example and receive that baptism from John as an example to everybody else. He knew all that because he knew the scriptures. Have you ever known? I mean, there's people out there. They just seem to just. Like, they've got it all figured out. Like, they know, they know what they're doing. They just make the right decisions. It's because they're following the Word of God. I mean, the information in here is so valuable. And Jesus Christ was able to do what He did, not because of this advantage that He had of being all-knowing. Okay? He was, like I said, God is all-knowing. And Jesus was God, but Jesus was also man. And that part of Him was not all-knowing. And so he studied the scriptures, he memorized the scriptures, and then he went on and fulfilled the scriptures. But so Jesus, he received, he learned about his mission from his mother, from the angels, from the scriptures. But then finally, in Matthew chapter seventeen, this is why. This is when I believe Jesus Christ found out that he was going to die. I do not believe that any time before this Jesus knew. That he was going to die. Person, I don't think he knew for sure. He might have had a pretty good idea because it is pretty clear in the Old Testament as we look back that, you know, Jesus or that uh, there was going to be a Messiah that was going to pay the sacrifice. There's plenty of scriptures along those lines, but I don't know for sure that Jesus knew that he was going to die until this incident because we don't ever hear him talk about it until this passage of Scripture. And notice where Jesus gets His instruction this time. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 1, it says, "...and after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart." Jesus would often do that. He would go off into a mountain. He'd go somewhere to pray. He got a lot of His direction through prayer. But then, this time it was a little different. It says, uh, "...in a high mountain apart." And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with them. Then answered Peter and said, Lord, Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While He yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is My beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Do you realize what just happened here? Jesus Christ, well, we know He met with Moses and Elijah. The two lampstands, the two olive trees as they're referred to in the Old Testament. Two men who are someday are going to be on this earth preaching at the Wailing Wall during the tribulation. These, but Jesus, I don't believe He's getting His instructions from Moses and Elijah, but the Bible says that Jesus was transfigured. He started to shine. He, his raiment became white. The disciples could barely bear to look at him. What I personally believe kind of happened right here, Jesus and God were kind of together at the same time. It all just appeared just with Jesus Christ. It changed him. But I believe what happened right here is Jesus had a one-on-one encounter with God himself for the first time. The two parts of the Trinity, they're together, and they kind of, the two became one. So I might be assuming a little bit here. I might be trying to get a little too deep here. But I personally think what happened is while they were there, while Peter and James and John are there laying on their faces, God has given Jesus some final instructions. God's telling Jesus what's next. And God told Jesus, hey, you're going to have to go and you're going to have to die. You are the lamb, the, the sacrificial lamb. You're what those sacrifices have been representing for all these years. It's time for you to go. You're going to have to go to Jerusalem. You're going to be delivered in the hands of sinful men and you're going to die, but three days later, you're going to rise again. While you're dead, during those three days, you're going to be pretty busy. You're going to be going down and to paradise and releasing them Old Testament saints and bringing them to heaven. With me, you're going to lead captivity captive. I mean, you're, Jesus, you've got, you've, there's big things coming up that you have to do. And Jesus Christ, He leaves there, and He says, and notice how He says it too. He says, Don't tell anybody about this until the Son of Man be risen from the dead. You know, notice Jesus doesn't seem upset about this. He's not, What? I have to do what? No, Jesus. From the beginning, he understood that, hey, I am here for a purpose. I have a mission. I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. And when God told him, you're going to have to die a horrible death, okay, I'll do it. I will go. And that's exactly what he did. Jesus got his instructions from God Himself. God told him the next part of his mission and Jesus Christ went and He fulfilled that mission. I mean, what faith he had in God. What obedience he showed. We see in his prayer in the garden that he wasn't looking forward to drinking of that cup of our sin. Someone who knew no sin becoming sin. We can't even imagine what that must have been like. But he understood that this is why why I am here? We see Jesus refer to his death many times after the Mount of Transfiguration, because that's what I'm here to do. That's why. Even when the disciple, he's telling the disciples about it. And notice the disciples here. How he said, "Until the Son of Man be risen from the dead." That's he basically is telling him, "Hey, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise from the dead." Yet later, he just kind of had to spell it out to him, "Hey, I'm going to die." Because it, was like it wasn't registering with them. But I'm going to rise again. And it still didn't register with them because after He died, they weren't waiting at the tomb after the third day. They were expecting Him to still be dead. It's amazing how slow we are sometimes and how slow the disciples were. But Jesus Christ, He had a mission and He fulfilled it. And He got it. He got it from His mother. He got it from the angels. He got it from the Scriptures. He got it from God Himself. And our The where we get our directions from are from the Word of God, from the Holy Spirit. This speaks to our hearts. And so, we need to make sure that we establish that clear goal of what we're supposed to do, that we find out what it will take to accomplish the goal. That's what Jesus was doing all this time. He's trying to find out what he's going to have to do. That's why he's going. And he, hey, he knows he's the Son of God. And he's talking to these men there in the synagogue when he's 12 years old. And he's trying to get information out of them. And these people are just blown away by his wisdom, but he's trying to learn. Hey, I want to know what I'm supposed to do. He went to the Scriptures. Hey, I need, I need to go to the synagogue. I want to be there every week. I want to be the one that gets up and reads the Scriptures to everybody. Because I want to see what's in there. I want to see what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go up into that mountain. The Spirit's leading me into the mountain. I want to go up there and find out what it is that God wants me to do. And often, Jesus is going to pray because He wanted to know the mission that God had for Him. He was constantly searching for God's direction. We need to find out what it will take to accomplish the goal. And then thirdly, don't give up when that goal gets challenging. Because not everything that God asks us to do Is going to be easy. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, following his example, doing what he did, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You know where we always give up first? In our minds. What we do as Christians, it's not always difficult physically, but many times it is difficult emotionally and mentally. And if we don't do like Jesus Christ did, stay focused on the goal be determined to fulfill the mission, we're going to get distracted by everything else and we're going to faint in our minds. We're going to give up. And we're not going to do what we're supposed to do because it was challenging. Jesus despised the shame, but for the joy that was set before Him, He kept His eyes on the mission. He was always focused on the mission and what was ahead. And He got it done. So you don't give up. When it gets challenging, because I'm sorry to tell you, it's going to get challenging. It's going to get very challenging. And what we have to do, lastly, is make sure that we do not get distracted. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. The Apostle Paul was another man who... uh, I mean, a great servant of God who... Also, like Christ, was constantly seeking for God's direction, was trying to find out what his mission was, wanting I mean, day to day, wanting to make sure he was doing what God wanted him to do. And the Apostle Paul, I mean, he was so focused on his mission, he didn't let anything distract him. And we see in 2 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 23, that there were some huge things that could have distracted him if he was like many of us. He says in verse 23, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. I think what Paul's, Paul, whenever he says, I speak as a fool, usually what he's getting ready to do is talk about himself a little bit. Paul didn't like to talk about himself, but sometimes he would. And so he said, I speak as a fool. He says, um, or right, I speak, lost my spot. Uh, okay, I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent and deaths oft of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Can you imagine getting thirty nine lashes? Well, it happened to Paul five times. Um, thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, and watchings often, in hunger and thirst, and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, which daily cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He said, "Paul, I've been through it all. Now, you and I, if we were on a mission for God, if we, and some of these things started to happen to us." What's going on? I know the Lord called me to go start a church, but I never expected to get laughed at by anybody. And boy, we can all get focused on getting laughed at and getting made fun of and say, something must be wrong. I must be out of the will of God and people will leave the will of God because maybe somebody laughed at them or maybe not just that, but maybe somebody robbed them. He said, hey, I've been robbed. I've been in perils. Many times when people start trying to do something for God, bad things will happen to them. I, mean, I know of preachers that they've lost children. They've lost spouses, other people. And they're serving God. Bad things happen. And maybe they'll get some kind of physical disease. They'll get cancer. They'll get, I mean, they'll get in a car wreck. I mean, there's no telling what. There's all kinds of horrible things that can happen and that do happen. And if we get focused on those challenges that come up, we're going to lose sight of the mission that we're on and we're going to get so focused on that we're going to end up getting distracted and we're going to forget what we've been called to do. Paul, it would have been real easy think, you know, hey, the Lord wants me to go on this journey and here he gets shipwrecked. Lord, how am I supposed to accomplish Your will? I got shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day out at sea. Lord, I I can't do this. Obviously, that's not Your will. no. Paul didn't do that. He dealt with it. He shook it off and he went on and he just did whatever he had to do to get to where he needed to go. He preached wherever he went. He just he kept going. Uh, and, And one of the stories he mentions when he was stoned. Many people believe in that story. We read about in Acts when he got stoned that he actually died. And we believe that God resurrected him. And you know what? He went back there and he preached again. Paul, you could not get him distracted from his mission. He stayed on it. He stayed focused. And we've got to do that. Because listen, there's going to be stuff that's going to come up. I wish I could say that, hey, membership at Liberty Baptist Church will guarantee you a life from ever getting sick, from anybody ever getting upset with you, or ever having any family problems. I mean, your life is just going to be great. No more financial problems. No more worries. No more you know headaches. No, No. That's not the case. God does not promise that anywhere in the Bible. In fact, He promises that all those who live godly in Christ, Jesus shall suffer persecution. But, that's okay. Because we're on a mission. And we're going to keep on going. And we're going to overcome. Like it's in Revelation 2 and 3. He says to all the churches, to Him that overcometh, we're just going to keep on overcoming. We're going to keep on going. We are servants of God and we've got a mission. And our mission is to reach people for the cause of Christ. And we're going to keep on going. We might be you might be out knocking doors. You might get ran off by somebody. You might get cussed out, you know, what? we're going to go to the next place. And we're going to try to win we're going to try to win those people. Hey, whatever challenges come our way, we're going to do what we have to to overcome those things because that's our purpose. This is why we are here. Jesus, when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed that the Lord would keep his children from the world. In other words, talking about the evils of the world. And then Jesus, you know, I'm going to read this passage. See, I think this passage is great. John chapter 14, I believe. Or. No, I'm in the wrong. John chapter... Where's the prayer? I didn't write this one down. Here we go. And verse 17. John 17. And it says, verse 8, For I have given unto them the words which Thou gavest Me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came out from Thee, and they have believed that Thou didst send Me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which Thou hast given Me, for they are Thine. And all mine are Thine, and Thine are Mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to Thee. Holy Father, keep through Thine own name those whom Thou hast given Me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in Thy name. Those that Thou gavest Me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition that the Scripture might be fulfilled." And then verse 14, it says, "...I have given them Thy Word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that Thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that Thou shouldst keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through Thy truth." Thy Word is truth. "...as Thou hast sent Me into the world." even so have I also sent them into the world. Have you noticed how when we get saved, God's calling us out of the world? But then, right away, what He does is He sends us to the world. In other words, He needs us there to make a difference. He doesn't want us to get caught up in the things of the world and do the evils of the world. That's not what it's about. But Jesus Christ, He had a mission to come to the world to get us. If He didn't come, we wouldn't have a chance. If after we got saved, we immediately went to heaven, well, then how are we going to get anybody else? He needs us here. Jesus fulfilled His mission, and now it's time to fulfill our mission. And to reach the lost for Christ. That is what we do as servants of God. We have a mission to reach the lost. So let's stand together tonight with our heads bowed and eyes closed.